Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Clarks. I'm your co-host, Javian. I'm your other co-host, Tyler. And you can tell that we have a great, great guest, one I'm super excited to talk to today. Uh, he is third trumpet in the Rochester Philharmonic in Rochester, New York. Um, please, and he's just a fabulous person, great trumpet player, all-around musician, jazz, classical. He does it all, people. Uh, but uh, join me, applaud, uh, Mr. Herb Smith. Thank you for joining the show today. Yeah, thank, you. <laughs> thank you for having me, man. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we have a lot of questions for you, but before we get to our, our main questions, our first question is, do you drink coffee? And before I ask you what you're drinking today, if you are a coffee drink, drinker, uh, Tyler, what are you drinking today? So I have some beans from Counterculture. Oh, you like that one. Yeah. 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 And this, uh, the title of this bag is Apollo. So it's an Ethiopia blend, actually. Uh, it's pretty good. It's not too bad. Uh, I got the bag here too. Um, but it's a citrus floral silky. It's one of the, it's like a medium to light roast, which is kind of my, my world. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it's pretty good. I've been doing it mostly on the V60 setup and it's been, been doing pretty well. I've actually been thinking about doing coffee subscriptions. So uh, if people know any good recommendations, Cause I was thinking, I was like, oh man, it'd be really cool to be like, all right, this month I'm going to try a coffee shop from like Colorado or mm -hmm. like Oregon, like somewhere that I can kind of spread my wings, especially since I'm not really traveling at all. So that'd be really cool to like support local coffee businesses and try their stuff. But um, anyway, what about you, Javian? Um, so I'm also drinking a Ethiopian blend. So it's funny you mentioned that. Um, mine is from uh, a thousand face faces coffee. They're out of Athens, Georgia. Um, it's called they're a cocoa blend. Um, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, it has this uh, berry milk chocolate floral uh, uh, tasting notes. It's actually really delicious. Like when I first had the first uh, cup of it, as soon as I opened the bag, I was like, yeah, this is it. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I brewed this on my, my Kim X. Um, it's, it's really good. I, I, I got, I went up to Athens a few weeks ago for a conference. So I just like, Oh, let me try out some of the, like the local coffee shops. And I've also too been thinking about doing a, um, coffee subscription. One of my friends, he did one, um, he got it as like a birthday gift and he really liked it. So he had coffee from all over the place. So I'm also thinking about doing that. So I just haven't pulled the trigger on that one yet. But yeah, so it's a thousand faces coffee. If you're certainly if you live in the Athens, Georgia area, you should definitely check them out. They're in the downtown area. So definitely check them out. Really, really good stuff. Um, so Herb, I don't know if you're a coffee. I think we've talked about it. I, I think you're like really into coffee from what I remember, but I could be misremembering this. Are you into coffee? If so, are you drinking any today? Well, I used to be. Um, oh, that's right. That's what it was. You don't drink it anymore, right? I used to be like heavy, heavy, heavy into coffee in the um, coffee i had a uh, one of those coffee makers that keeps the water hot and so like it has a thermostat so that when you when you put the uh, grounds in you have a pot of coffee in like three minutes right mm. so, like, the water is always hot and i used to i used to get down with that but uh, <laughs> but uh it's a funny story because um i had a girlfriend at the time and she was staying with me and everything and we broke up and um and so i come downstairs the next morning like okay i'm getting me a cup of coffee she's out of my life i'm good 
<laughs> I go down there, I get ready to grind the beans. She took the grinder. <laughs> so I was like, ah, right. <laughs> so I grabbed uh, some tea. I had some tea there because I couldn't do coffee at that moment. I'm not going to sit there with a hammer and like, you know, smash up some beans. And and then I just never bought a grinder. And so like three days later, I realized I haven't had coffee in three days. I just been drinking tea. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to stick with this. And I haven't drank coffee since. And that's been like maybe seven years or so. Wow. Yeah, I have not that's drank impressive. coffee. So, so this here, I do drink <laughs> caffeine tea. I drink caffeine tea. I drink, I don't drink black tea, but I do drink green tea. So this is green tea with a little lemon in it. Mm. I, I, I rock teas, man. I, I drink. Yeah, but I used to be like, you know, pot of coffee a day, like just boom, like just drinking it all day long. <laughs> coffee shop knows my name, you know, hey, drink. <laughs> you know, now, so now I'm just a tea person now. Ah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now I've heard some benefits about that. I've heard like how, like tea caffeine hits you differently than it does like, yeah it's it a little does. slow at the beginning but it's more sustainable through well it's a trip because every now and again every now and again like if i'm somewhere i'll be like you know what i'll get a little let me get a half a cup of coffee <laughs> and um i'm telling you man it takes me way up like i'm like i'm like let's go let's <laughs> practice some charliers <laughs> And then the next day, I am low. I'm down. Like my body just doesn't do that coffee, that caffeine from coffee anymore. So it's fun though. Every now and again, they just get a little <laughs> shot, <laughs> especially when you need it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, yeah, right. you need yeah. a quick, quick rush. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So Herb, how did you get your start in music? And at what point in your development as you're growing up, did you decide, hey, I kind of want to pursue this as a career? Or was that even a thought? I mean, was it one of those things that like you just kind of continued down the path and then it organically happened? Because I know for some people, it's like, this is what I want to do. They kind of make a choice. And for other people, it's like, I don't know, it just kind of happened and I kind of walked into it. So can you explain a little bit of that? Well, I mean, I remember, you know, I started in fourth grade and all that and um, and picked the horn and everything. And then I remember the school that I was going to, I had to make a choice between going to like a, like a math, like I think they call them magnet schools or something. And, and but they didn't have a, a music program. And, and then another school, which is like a performing arts school, like a art school. And I remember in sixth grade just thinking, I like the trumpet a little bit. I, I don't want to stop playing it. You know, I wasn't thinking this is my calling. You know, I wasn't I wasn't thinking that in sixth grade, but I just decided to make a decision to go to an art school. And that decision really is what sparked it. Because once I went to the art school, then there was just so many more kids like me you know, that were into the music and all that. And um, and then my senior year, my um, I was very, I was always good in math. 
and music. So my dad really wanted me to be an engineer. You know, he's like, don't go into music. There's no money in it. You know, it's, <laughs> and, um, and, and at that point I was like, I really want to go into music. At that point, I remember like I was in the youth orchestra and we did our, um, joint concert with the Cincinnati symphony. And I was sitting next to Marie Spitziali, you know, she was mm. in Cincinnati and uh, Stephen Pry was fourth, I believe, and Eugene Blee. No, Eugene Blee was fourth, I believe. Um, and I was just, I really idolized those guys. And I was like, I want to be in an orchestra. So I actually had my band director, my principal, the assistant principal, teachers sending my dad notes and calling him, telling him that I would, it would be good for me to go into music. And, um, and then, Basically, we made a compromise, and I went to Eastman for edu- as an education major, not as a performance. Um, but I was just like defiant. I am not going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a performer, you know. And you know, and my mom, <clears throat> my mom jokes with me about that all the time. Mm-hmm, don't want to be a teacher. I see you doing a whole lot of teaching now. <laughs> like, mom, you were right. You were right. Yeah. But, um, and that was really, you know, that was it. Like, I really feel like that, that move that I made in sixth grade really helped to my trajectory to go into music. Awesome, awesome. So since, you know, you, you chose this path to go to this art school and you, I'm, I'm assuming you had all these, these great teachers along the way, who would you say are some of your um, great musical mentors or, or just people, maybe not musicians? And um, what have you learned from them and, and with their mentorship that's really impacted you as a teacher and, and player? Well, um, when I was a senior in high school, uh, of course, and like so many, like you talk to many Black trumpet players and they got a Wynton Marsalis story. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, he just was very, just a very inspiring guy, you know, and just was always looking out for young black trumpet players. So um, I was in high school and actually a guy who um, who graduated from my school when I was in eighth grade, eighth or ninth grade, I think he graduated from my school. And so he was in a jazz band and I was like a little eighth grader hanging around the older guys trying to play in jazz band. Um, I think it was seventh grade actually. And he was a promoter. So he brought Wynton Marsalis into, into, into town, Cincinnati. And um, it was up in Clifton. There's this place up in Clifton. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that. I can't remember the name of the place. Anyway, so he was like, uh, heard man come, you know, come to the concert and come backstage and meet Wynton. So, so I went to the concert and then um, at the intermission, I went to meet him and, um, and he let me play his trumpet. And that was before he had the, um, the Monette trumpet. And I remember he had a, um, a gold plated mouthpiece and I had never seen that before. I was like, Oh wow. Gold plated mouthpiece. <laughs> and I didn't have my, I didn't bring my trumpet with me. So I actually played his horn, his mouthpiece, everything. Wow, and, and he was just like, "Go home, get your horn, and come back. I want to hear you play." So my dad, we got in the car, drove back, got my horn, came back, and I played Charlier, uh, Charlier number two for him. Mm-hmm. And 
and um, and he was, and I just remember him saying, he's like, man, you're a good player. He says, I really think you should go into music. And he was like, he says, man, your body just resonates. Like, like you have a good resonating sound from your body. I just remember that, like, wow. Like, I didn't know what that meant. You know, I was like, okay, <laughs> you know. And, um, and that really was the kicker because then I got into Eastman and went and set up a scholarship for uh, a black trumpet player, classical a full scholarship for a black trumpet player to go to Eastman. And I was the first recipient of that scholarship. Wow. Yeah, I was the first recipient of that scholarship. And I believe that scholarship is still going today um, for a classical black trumpet player. So Winton, Winton was a big, big influence. I've had, I've, you know, it's like everything you, everything you have, everything I have, it all comes with help. You know, we always mm -hmm. have help. You know, so I mean, just along the way, there's been like many, many, um, you know, influencers. I mean, in church, you know, all the men in church, you know, Deacon Pitts and Deacon Madison and, uh, you know, Deacon Banks and Brother Badgett, you know, all these guys <laughs> were like just these pillars, these men that were professionals and they come in and looking sharp and, they were taking care of their family and they had good jobs, you know, and, and, you know, it's like any one of these men could give you a whooping, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, and like, and they, they wouldn't probably give you a whooping, but they'd tell your dad, you know, like, oh, I, saw, I saw Herb over there acting up. Okay. Thank you, man. The next thing you know, you were getting the whooping, but it kept you straight. You know, so all these men in my life, you know, and then, you know, then later in life, you know, Barbara Butler was a really good person for me, um, for my trumpet playing. And then after that, Jerry Cowlett, um, just, I tell you, that man changed my playing. He really, I would not be doing what I do today <clears throat> without the, uh, tutelage and lessons that I had with Jerry. Yeah. Awesome. Hmm. Uh, to circle back to the Winton thing, have you seen him or interacted with him since that time when you're I have actually, yeah, actually, um, well, 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 um, a couple of times. Well, one, um, the, uh, Lincoln Center jazz band came up to Rochester and I set up a, um, a jazz gig with my group at that time I was playing in this kind of this kind of funk ish type of group called uh, Thornwood and it was Thornwood because it was the street the guy who started the band that was the street he lived on called Thornwood and we were like it's you know it's it's it'll 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 poke you but it's also warm it's wood <laughs> <laughs> anyway and uh and so we had the whole band we told the band afterwards because because the, the place where we stayed was right near eastman the place where we were doing the gig and i talked to winton and everything and winton didn't show up there but the whole band showed up so we had this amazing killer jam session um my pianist was upset because the the pianist killed his piano was really hitting it hard or whatever killed his piano <laughs> But uh, and then other times when they came into town, like I called and went up. This was years ago. We played. I set it up so we could all play basketball at the Y. <laughs> nice. That was fun. 
we did that. And then one time we came up for the jazz for the jazz fest, and um, they have a jam session after the um, the Rochester International Jazz Festival. They have a jam session at the hotel where everybody stays. And Winton was up there playing, and I walked in there, and they weren't letting anybody go up to play with Winton because everybody wanted to come up there and play with them, but they were just they weren't letting anybody. And when I came up there, Winton was like, "Hey man, can come on up, come on up here." So I went up there. <laughs> And uh, and we blew uh, all the things you are, uh, and I was just kind of like, I'm gonna get up here with Winton, and he might just tear me a new one. <laughs> you know, like, that'll be a good story. Yeah, be a good story. Man, I played with Winton, and man, he tore me up. You know, <laughs> but I held my own with the man. You know, I held my own with him, and uh, we jammed. We then played a blues after that. Uh, it was it was really uh, really fun. So yeah, I've had a couple couple moments and I think one time I saw him and I was like hey Winton you know I just want to introduce myself to you he's like man don't you ever introduce yourself to me I know who you are Herb man what's up how you been <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. awesome yeah. That's awesome great. so obviously we talked about some of the jazz language and background and expertise that you have in that but you also have been playing in the Rochester Philharmonic Orchestra I want to say from looking up information it said 1991 you joined the orchestra so that was the year I was born. So I know it's 30 years. <laughs> Not showing your age, but showing your wisdom. And, and how this question is you know, set up is, okay, you've been playing with an orchestra for 30 years. And before we were on the call, you talked about, okay, we're doing John Williams this weekend. We're doing this and that. So how have you maintained a healthy perspective over the years going to the job where sometimes it could be a little rinse and repeat. It's like, okay, we're doing another pop thing. Oh, we're doing more Beethoven, whatever it may be. So how have you mentally, and if you want to, you can kind of get into like the aspects of musicality and trumpet playing, maintain that healthy perspective and journey for 30 plus years. I mean, that's hard to do. And I think a lot of people don't really talk about that. They talk about winning the job, but they don't talk about like, continuing staying healthy and keeping a healthy perspective through your career? Yeah, that's a great question because um, I really feel that a lot of musicians in symphony orchestras don't have a handle on that. Um, their orchestra musicians can be jaded. I mean, just, you know, like, you know, you get a new job and it's the same. You know, it's like people feel like, okay, if I move from this orchestra to this orchestra, then it'll be better. No, it's like, it's you. <laughs> you will still be in that new orchestra job. Um, orchestras play the same music over and over, you know, and you get to a point where, you know, it's like, okay, we're doing Shostakovich 5. Okay, I'll just leave my book there. I'll just, I'll just pick it up when I come in for rehearsal on Tuesday. I'm not even going to practice it because I've played it so many times, you know, to me, it's about, you know, keeping my chops at the point where I know I have the chops to play it. I don't really need to look at Shostakovich five. I've, third trumpet Shostakovich five. I played that a zillion times. It's like uh, pictures at an exhibition, third trumpet, man. That's pictures at an exhibition. Have you ever played third trumpet on picture at an exhibition? That's I played it. second, but yeah. Third trumpet. <laughs> third part. Part. It is the worst. You are watching all this music go by you, and you're just sitting there. It's so true. 
know, you're just sitting there looking like, okay, yeah, that's good. You know, <laughs> oh, okay, great day of Kiev. You know what I mean? It's like, so the way to me, the way that I have kept a good handle, because I still love playing in the orchestra, is variety. Like, the orchestra is not my only musical outlet you have to have like your uh, like you have to me i have to have a musical expression i have to be able to express myself musically so so the same time i'm playing in orchestra you know all these years i have my i've had my own jazz groups you know so like you know, we have concerts on Thursdays and Saturdays, and then on Friday night, I'm playing a gig at a club. You know, I also would leave Rochester and, and like, go sub with the Buffalo Philharmonic sometimes. I would go sub, sub with them. Buffalo is just about an hour drive from here, from Rochester, you know. And then, like, like I said uh, previously, before we started the show, you know, like this week, I'm playing... Uh, just yesterday, we just did a concert of John Williams music. Um, but next week, I'm playing lead on My Fair Lady, the traveling show. So that keeps, it keeps things fresh, you know. So when I come back in there to play Beethoven 5 or, or uh, you know, third on, uh, I don't know, anything. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like um, I'm fresh. I've had a I've had a chance to really express myself. And the other thing I other thing I do is I I really kind of keep this circle of like playing, practicing, composing, you know, conducting, and I just kind of keep that thing looping around. And then I'm I'm able to to deal with being in the orchestra for as long as I have. Now, just so you know, like I, I got an RPO when I, in, in 91, cause I got, got there right out of college. And it was an amazing story what happened because the first trumpet player took a year sabbatical. They moved the second trumpet player up to first. They had an audition. They had like a one year position uh, for second. And they just did kind of a an audition of like they just kind of a, a invite only for a one year position. At that point, I was a senior in college at Eastman, and I was playing extra and fourth with them sometimes when they needed. So I was on a list. So then they had me. They invited me to to take that audition as well. And um, and I go in there and play, and we were doing. Um, uh, Mahler three, the post horn solo, boom, 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 right? And um, and I had this little uh, green. <clears throat> it was actually like a um, <laughs> Robin Hood hat, like a felt Robin uh, green, like you know the Robin Hood hat that kind of goes like that. And I had a little felt hat, and I put it on my bell so that it so that it like gave it a kind of a distant sound for the post horn solo. I'm playing the piece. I got past the first round, so this was a round where there was no no screen. <clears throat> I'm playing the post horn solo, 
the the felt hat falls off during the post horn solo and i'm just like in my head i'm like damn you know <laughs> but i'm like dun, 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 dun. i reach down and pick up the thing put it back on right i just without missing a beat picked it up put it back on and then kept going and then at the end of the um of the thing the guy comes out and i thought they were going to do another round and he says we are not doing another round we have a winner a clear winner and i was just like well it ain't me because i dropped my hat you know <laughs> winner is herb smith i was like what you know, I what and I beat out like I don't know if you know Bill Williams, he's playing somewhere big. Uh Jeff Biancolana, he's somewhere playing someplace big. There were some other guys there too. Uh and and then after everybody had lost, you know, because I had played with everybody that was on the committee I'd played with. You know, I'd played with, you know, Cherry Bogart, who was the tubist back then, and uh uh Abe Lillard was the principal trumpet and principal horn, Becky, all these, I'd played with them before. And when they came out, they were like, when you dropped your hat and picked it up without missing a beat, that is what got you the job. Like you were cool and calm. You just picked it up and you didn't miss a beat. They were like, that got you the job. I was like, okay, note to self, bring a hat, drop it, then it put it back on. <laughs> That's how you win a job. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. so no, so like, you know, like just little things kind of just keep you fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of keep you fresh. And that's how I got into orchestra. So then after the after I was in the orchestra, that one year turned into a two year. And then I was out of the orchestra for a while because the guy came back, they took an audition. I was runner up. Paul Markello. I don't know if you know him. Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In Montreal, mm-hmm. he won the job first, and I was out of a job. So then I was like extra, just hanging in Rochester for like maybe five or six years. Then third trumpet opened up, and I won that position, and I've been that ever since. Awesome, awesome, man! That is the story. <laughs> no, no, that's great. I, I had no idea. Uh, so. You know, obviously, you've, we've, you've just talked about your orchestral experience, and we know that you're this, at least, I've heard you play jazz, you know, in various settings. I'm just like, when the first time I heard you, I was like, man, this guy's killing. <laughs> so, like, can you talk about, like, how you develop both sides of your playing, especially at, like, Eastman, which is, you know, traditionally, like, this very heavy, like, classical institution. So how were you able to develop both these styles of playing? Well, um, like, well, first of all, it was in high school because my band director was a trumpet player mm. who um, just a little story. I just played a gig in Charleston uh, with the color of music and we, we did a little recital <clears throat> and unbeknownst to me, my band director from sixth grade to 12th grade was in the audience. Nice. And I did not know that. And so after I played, I came back out and I see this guy walking over to me and, and he pulled down his mask. I was like, Mr. Barry, oh my God. I, hugged, I hadn't seen him in so many years. He lives in Charleston. He heard about it, saw it on my Facebook, all that. Anyway, he was a trumpet player and he did both. 
he actually played in orchestras around Cincinnati and he um was like a lead trumpet player for different bands and stuff. And he encouraged me to do classical and jazz in high school. So I was, you know, lead trumpet and soloist in jazz band, but I was also principal trumpet in uh, the orchestra at school and in the um, youth Cincinnati Youth Symphony Orchestra. So then when I went to Eastman, um, I was all about just doing both. And the mm. way Eastman worked back then, which it doesn't work that way now, which I kind of feel like it's maybe missing out because... Eastman did not have an undergraduate jazz degree when I went to school there. Mm. So a lot of the great jazz musicians that came out of Eastman went to Eastman for classical music, not jazz. Like uh, Dan, Dan, uh, Dan Wilizinski, who lives in New York now, he's big jazz saxophone player, does doublings and stuff. He came there as an oboist and mm. took up saxophone, you know. Um, see, Byron Stripling, classical mm. trumpet player at Eastman. That's what That was his thing. He was not a jazz major at Eastman. But the way that it worked was that the graduate program was jazz, <clears throat> you know, had a jazz degree. So all the rest of the bands were filled in with Eastman students, non-jazz majors. So, so like my first week there or whatever, I found out when the jazz auditions were, um, and I auditioned for, uh, for jazz ensemble and I made it into the top, not the top band, but like the, the second to the top band. I made it into that band as a freshman. So I was a freshman at Eastman playing in, <clears throat> you know, in the wind ensemble, not East, I, I think I wasn't wind ensemble, the lower ones don't play in wind ensemble, they're playing in the wind orchestra or whatever. And I was also in the second uh, jazz band at Eastman. I was doing both just from the get, from freshman year. And I was getting flack from everybody. I was getting flack from Barbara Butler a little bit. <laughs> you, know, you need to stop playing that jazz. It's messing up your chops or whatever. And then I was getting flack from like Bill Dobbins. Her man, you need to, you, need to uh, you know, learn how to play uh, rhythm changes in all 12 keys, you know. And I was just like trying to balance that. You know, and a lot of times I felt like an outsider in both worlds, mm. you know, like the classical people look at me like my sounds too jazzy. And then the jazz people look at me like my sounds too classical, you know, but I just stayed in it. I just stayed in it and, um, and just, you know, and now that's what I do. Like, it's really great for me when I play somewhere and people say, wow, Herb, I didn't realize you played jazz so good. Or... <laughs> Wow, Herb, yeah, right. You're a really good classical player. That's great to me because you don't want any any whiff of classical when you're on the bandstand, you know? And you don't want a little bit of lingering smell of jazz <laughs> when you're playing third on Shostakovich 10, you know? So, um, yeah, I just stayed in it. I just really did. It's a lot of work. And I feel like I feel like my jazz playing, you know, I, I mean, I play jazz well, but I feel like there's just so much more to learn, you know, mm -hmm. there's just so much more to learn. Like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I could probably learn how to play better over two five ones and, you know, just whatever, you know, it's like, 
there's just so much to learn, which which is a good thing because then you're never bored. You gotta you just you just keep going, you know. When you were at Eastman, were there any other trumpet players or maybe other instrumentalists that had that same desire as you to kind of dabble in both and pursue both? Oh yeah. Or were you kind of okay? So you kind of had some people that you could cling to and support each other because I feel like an environment like that when you're getting teachers, professors. You kind of like, I feel like it could be easy to get in your head and be like, man, am I making the wrong decision? Like, is this going to hamper me from, or dampen me, excuse me, from progressing? Because it's like, my progression might be a little bit slower here and there because I'm not solely putting my focus in one end. Yeah, I I definitely, I mean, I just remember, like, I remember this one concert in jazz ensemble where I had a solo or whatever, and... I just was not happy with how my solo was progressing, how my solo went. I just like, I was just mad. Like, I'm, you know, I got to practice Petrushka and, you know, and all these other stuff. And I'm not practicing my jazz stuff. I mean, I was going, I was having those kind of thoughts and feelings all through college, you know, just wishing one was better, you know. But I think, you know, it's like I was doing it, though. You know, I was making it work. But, um I really did try to stay even on both. Like I really tried to not pick one or the other. Where what happens with a lot of people is they end up choosing a side. You know, like I'm thinking about my friend John Owens, who is uh he's lead trumpet player. Uh I think he's been playing wicked for like 12 years or something like that lead he is a monster lead player he is a monster lead player and he was a monster lead player at eastman but he again he was a classical major but he made his choice you know he chose i'm a lead player i'm a jazz player he he had made that choice before he graduated same with a person like joey tartell mm. right who is fantastic trumpet player classical player classical major at eastman made his choice he's clearly a you know lead player clearly made that choice i tried not to do that i tried to stay i can i just had this thing i can do both i can do both well and you run into a lot of flack from people um with that but i really 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 tried to uh to not pick no aside yeah you this isn't one of the questions but you brought up that circle and that kind of sparked some more questions can you talk about that a little bit more so you mentioned like the orchestra like jazz improvisation that type of thing and then composing and conducting so how do how does this circle look like for you in terms of balance you just mentioned the word even staying even in all those categories like do you how to, how does your brain work in processing like okay i haven't hit this in a little bit or i need to hit this like how does that work for you yeah that's it's keeping the balance is really tough <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i'm not like i haven't mastered that yet you know um i mean just um just recently i conducted um uh, Symphoria, which Symphoria is the uh, orchestra formerly known as the Syracuse Symphony. 
um, I just conducted them knowing that right after I conducted them, I had this um, John Williams concert. So, you know, I'm focusing on my scores and everything, but I'm like, okay, you got this John Williams concert. So, so I kept just kind of, just kind of keeping in a rotation, just kind of like, okay, I'll practice. Okay, now we'll do my scores. Now we'll practice, do my scores. And, and so you just have to kind of look a little bit, look, generally I'm like one or two weeks out, <laughs> like what I'm doing. And, and that helps me, that helps because you don't want to be too far out because like now I'm practicing something that's four weeks away when I really need to be focusing on what's two weeks away you know, and then, and then kind of keep that rotation going, um, that way. Um, so that really helps. And I don't have a lot of, I mean, a lot of times I'm like in the middle of a project getting ready for another project, you know, it's like, I, it's not like, okay, I have a week off now. Now I can just focus on conducting. Nope. Dude, you got a concert tonight. <laughs> you got you to have some chops for that, you know? So I really just try to keep it all going. But but the circle to me that I was talking about is more about taking care of yourself. Like being in an orchestra, it's very one-sided. There's there's no job like this. In an orchestra, like, like they talk about, you know, classical musicians are jaded, they're disgruntled. There's a reason for that. If you work at McDonald's, and you get a job cooking fries, right? If you cook fries really, really well, you do your job, what's gonna happen? You're gonna move up to burgers. And then if you do that really well, now maybe you'll move up to, you know, taking the money. And if you do that really well, then maybe you move up to manager, assistant manager. Like you can actually move up in companies, you know? In an orchestra, there's no moving up. I do my job really, really well. I'm third trumpet. If I want to move up, I got to audition. I got to, you know, I got to, there's no like, here's your bonus. Now you can move up. It's like you are third trumpet for the rest of your life unless you are auditioning and trying to get a different job, right? And so that circle to me what it does is it takes care of myself. It takes care of the, the expression that I need to give, the expression that needs to come out. So I need to compose so I can get that out and play my own music and hear that and be fulfilled from that. I need to conduct because then that's part of that musical expression where I'm, I'm not just the trumpet, I'm all the instruments, you know. <clears throat> I need to teach kids and that gets that part as well you see the you see the benefit of of the work that you've done and, and passing that on to others all these things help to take care of me so i can play third trumpet for 20 years in an orchestra and be okay mm-hmm. you know and not just like oh i gotta come here and do third trumpet again oh okay we're doing you know, we're doing uh, Symphony Fantastique again. Symphony <laughs> Fantastique again. You know what I mean? It's like no. In the in the in the mean of between time, I just wrote a, you know, I just wrote a piece for my trio, um, and we performed it. 
and the audience loved it. Like that's fulfilling to me, you know, having that outlet and then you can do your job. And most artists, if you think like, like you think in, in history, most artists didn't, they were artists. They weren't just one sided. Like Miles Davis drew pictures. He was an art, he was a visual artist as well, you know? John Coltrane did other things too. Listen to classical music, studied classical music. You know, like there's all kind of like, it's the artist thing is a circle. It's not just one pinpoint of a, of an outlet. So for me, I have to do that in order to keep me good, you know? Yeah, that's really good. And I feel like in education now, it's kind of like what you mentioned earlier. You have to make a choice. You have to be an expert in this one field and do this thing. And it's like you look back further, like you were mentioning, is, oh, no, these people played, they arranged, they conducted, they taught, they did all these things because, you know, one, they were trying to make a living, but two, it was like, it's all part of musical expression. and part artistic of- expression is, you can't, you don't want to pin it down to one thing. You want to let it blossom and let it be. Like, you think about, like, the Renaissance man. That's what he was. He did a lot of stuff. Think of uh, Leonardo da Vinci, right? He did so much stuff. He wasn't just a painter. The painter Leonardo da Vinci, he did a lot of stuff, you know? And so that's kind of where I want to be is what, what I am. You know, it's like I'm finding that I just have that different thing. And I, I kind of dabbled in, <clears throat> in art and visual art for a minute too. I was staying up late doing pictures and like kind of that kind of thing for a while. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> Got into oil paints and all that kind of stuff. I haven't done that in a while. But I mean, a lot of guys are, <clears throat> a lot of guys do like golf, you know, like mm-hmm. trying to do that. But to me, it's, to me, I'm all about like the music. Like I just want to do everything music. That's awesome. That's all. Well, you, you had hinted at like teaching as part of your circle, right? And um, I know you, you started this organization called Herbert's, Herbert's City Trumpets. Could you talk about like how that program started and like what was the inspiration of starting that group and what that whole group is about? Herb City, Herb City Trumpets. Let yeah, me Herb, City. Herb City Trumpets. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, well, it's actually a long story because um i actually went to jail for a day um i was it was this really weird thing where there was a parking space involved and uh there's a guy who owns a park i'm not gonna give you the long story but he owns he 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 owns this parking lot and i parked in his lot not knowing that it was his lot and it's near this jamaican restaurant that i go to and and he really um harassed the woman that owned the restaurant because people would park in his lot and he would get mad about it there were some spaces right there that were metered spaces this dude and i kid you not he would sit in his because he where his office was he could see those spaces he would sit there with binoculars and see that the parking spaces had expired, call the parking bureau so that they would give those cars tickets 
so that it would deter them to park there so they would pay money to park in his lot. Wow. Right? So I parked in this one lot, which I didn't think it was his lot. He comes out there, why are you parking there? He's yelling at me and stuff. And I'm like, and he's a shorter guy. And I was just like, hey, you know, don't harass my my lady, my girl there, Marlene. Like she's a, she's a good business. She's a woman, it's black owned, you know. And he got all hot at me and he was doing this at me. And just the police just happened to come by at that time. So after everything was said and done, the police were just like, Herb, you're fine. Like you're calm, you're cool, go ahead. We'll talk to him. When I come out from the restaurant after that had happened, um, the, po- the policeman said, this guy wants to press charges against you. And I was just like, press charges? I didn't, I've never touched a guy or anything. Anyway, he pressed charges. I get a um, I get a note in the mail said I need to go down basically you know to the to the police station. I call my lawyer just to have him check it out. Turns out that it was an arrest with no bail. So when I turned myself in, I had to go to jail. Wow. My lawyer, <clears throat> this is a long. I, I said it wasn't going to be a long. <laughs> no, <time>. it's good. <laughs> My lawyer said, go down there at midnight. Go down there, turn yourself in at midnight. That way you go in jail overnight, and in the morning, we'll get you out of the rain. Because if I had turned myself in at noon, just thinking I just go in there, turn it in, get the ticket, whatever, um, I would have been in jail like all day. I wouldn't have even known, you know, I would have known. But he called and worked it out for me. So... I spent the night in jail, and then when I came out into my arraignment, I go into the into the the holding cell. Every person in the holding cell was a black male. There was no white males in that holding cell, and I was just taken by how resourceful these kids were. Because the one guy was just like, "Hey, what you went for? Who's your judge? Oh man, he's cool." If this is your first time, you're fine. You just do this, 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 and you'll be fine. Then he was like, who are you in for? Oh, you got him? Ah, you're in trouble. (laughs) And people were, all these guys were just, they had the system down. They were so intelligent. They were just misled, misguided. And so I was just like, what can I do so that I can stop maybe one of these guys from being in this place where I am right now? You know, like they were all, I was the oldest person in there. They were all very young men. What can I do? And that was kind of it. I was just like, I want to do something to help that. So then um, I was talking to this guy who is, um, he's the leader of something in Rochester called Rock Music. And it's a, it's a, it's basically they give lessons to string players and stuff uh, from the city of Rochester. Pretty, pretty much free lessons. It's all um, subsidized and stuff. And he was like, let's let's start something for trumpet. And I was like, yes. And then there was this grant called My Brother's Keeper. It has something to do with uh, Obama. And it's really about black men, black males. So I got in on that. We wrote a proposal about doing like a trumpet program and mentoring program. And we got the grant. So so what it is, is it's me and I have another guy uh, who's Eastman. He's a, at Eastman right now. I think he's like a 
junior or senior easement. He helps teach as well. I teach the kids on Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, and just give them lessons. And then on Fridays, I get them all together. We do like a little trumpet ensemble thing. And, and the trumpet ensemble is basically like, you know, playing like C Jam Blues or something like, you know, but it's just like getting them together. And these are these are all I basically started most of these on trumpet, most of these kids on trumpet. And um, and we we get them together on Fridays and play. And then we have a meal together. Mm. And, and the meal is always I pick different types of food from different places. So the last meal we had was Thai food. And I had a uh, fat Thai with the with the sauce and the peanuts, and I had uh, fried spring rolls and fresh spring rolls, and and it just opens up everything. Like the food is such a huge part, because like these kids had never had fat Thai, they'd never had the fresh spring rolls. Like they mostly hated them. They're like, oh man, what is this stuff? These things are all soft and this. I'm like, you gotta try it. You gotta try it. Now they love the fried spring rolls because fried, anything fried, you know what I mean? But it's just opening them up to different things. We've had sushi, we've had uh, Jamaican food, we've had African food. I did uh, vegan food, vegan like 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 kind of a, like plant-based meat stuff. And I just mm. hit different restaurants all all around town. We had we had Italian, of course. We had. Um, what else did we have? Oh yeah, we had Mediterranean food like hummus and stuff like that. Like I always hit different things. And so it's this whole thing where it's like, they're like my sons, you know, mm -hmm. I have like, right now I'm up to about 17 or 18. Uh -huh. you know? And, um, you know, they all come in and, and I think for some of these boys, a lot of, lot of single, you know, single parents, single moms, and for some of these boys, I am the the male in their life that they can't move. Like I am that boundary for them. You know, they come in, have a seat. Oh, I want to sit over here. Nope, you're gonna sit right here. This is where you're gonna sit. Boom, sit there. Well, this is nope. You're gonna sit fine. Oh, I cut my finger. I need a bandaid. Can I go to my mom? Nope. You're gonna sit right there. You're not fine. You're not gonna die. <laughs> you're gonna be okay you're gonna sit right there oh it hurts yep it does sometimes life hurts you're gonna be just fine and he is you know what i mean it's like you know, <laughs> falling off you know what i mean but it's like just kind of giving them up no not play this do this you know so um it's very rewarding for me as well you know it's very rewarding to have these these boys uh in the in the class and uh and eventually what we're going to do is going to have different mentors come in on fridays and talk to them right now it's just been me just kind of dealing with them mm -hmm. and, uh, it's a good program it's, it's good awesome program. it's yeah, awesome we got, we got a grant for sixty five thousand dollars to kind of keep it running this year and that pays me so that i can like not do other stuff and um do that and then it pays for like the meals and then like um it also pays for like each person that comes into the program gets a brand new uh, Bach TR five hundred. Nice. Uh, not the TR three hundred. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and actually, you and you know what? Like every horn that I get, I play it first, 
And there's this one horn. I was like, this horn's good. <laughs> it's like it was like a lightweight. It had a really nice lead sound to it. I ended up giving it to the kid because I mean I couldn't keep it. But I was like, I would keep this horn. Because <laughs> I'm an artist with Bach. Yes, yes. They gave me a deal on those horns for the kids. So. Awesome. That's great. Is there a uh, particular age group for these no. guys? No. No age. And that's actually one of the things that's really cool. <clears throat> so I got like, you know, I got like a 10 year old there that's starting trumpet. I have like a 14 year old that's starting trumpet. You know, I have 15 year old kid that's been playing trumpet for a while and all in between. So when we eat, it's like a table of like all these different ages and they're just kind of, it's just amazing to me like to see them sitting down at the table eating and I come time, a couple of times I'm like, Naven, sit down. What are you doing? <laughs> you know? Taekwon, no, you can't do that. Sit down. Water bottles. (laughs) But like they're sitting there, they're enjoying one another, and it's it's um it's positive, it's up, it's good, you know, all around trumpet and stuff. So it's a good program. That's pretty awesome. I mean, and and like you said, I think incorporating a meal, something that like everybody needs food, you know, Mm -hmm. and that of like the it's like okay trumpet's what's going to bring you there but then you have the fellowship of eating together and i think yes. that kind of breaks barriers and breaks bonds totally does. and it provides that stability of like thinking about like when you're young and you're having you know meals with your family and maybe they don't have that situation maybe they have to make their own meals or you know whatever or they're eating on the couch or something like that maybe this is their one meal a week where they're eating together with a male figure that's older and providing insight, you know, it's like that could be really transformative for them. Yeah, that is, you're hitting it right on the money. And like, there's there's this one woman that um, I have both of her sons. I have, well, cause she has four kids and I have two of her kids. One is 10, one is 13, I believe. And um, one's Taekwon and one is Taijan which I always mix it up. <laughs> I'm not Tijan, I'm not Tajan, I'm Taekwon. Like, ah, okay. <laughs> but so so she has she she I have two of her sons. They live right down the street from the from the school. So they walk there. And so um she wanted to play the trumpet. So I gave her a trumpet as well. I had a, an older one that I gave to her. And so in order for her to play, she had to come with her two kids and she would bring the other kids too. So now I got all four of her sons and her. And when it's time to eat, you know, what am I going to say? No, you can't feed. No, I'm sorry. You can't feed them. They're not putting feed everybody. Mm -hmm. Feed everybody. And then like there's other there's other like a mom, a single mom. She comes on the Fridays another that single dad he comes on a friday so we have like other adults it's like a, it's just a real like family um thing and i think that's just a way to you know it's a way to connect um the kids with their parents as well and it's also a way for the parents to see because i'm 52 a lot of these parents are much younger than me you know i've been through a lot of the things that they've 
that they're going through now. So it's a way for them to see how I am interacting with their kid, you know, especially the moms too. Because when I'm just like, nope, you're fine. Just have a seat. They're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I see the mom go, hmm. (laughs) You know? So yeah, it's it's a good program, man. That's awesome. Um, Well, you know, before we l- let you go, uh, I-, I am interested if you can, you know, briefly talk about, because uh, you recently got into conducting, and I know you made your uh, Rochester Field debut, like, maybe a year ago. I-, I remember seeing you post about that, and I was, like, really excited, because I didn't even know you were, you were into conducting. So I was wondering if you can kind of talk about this part of your career. If th- is conducting something you've always been interested in, or is it just something like later along your career? So, you know, I would like to try that. So how did that come about? So um, in high school, um, like I said, I went to school for school for creative and performing arts, mm-hmm. which we kind of uh, said that we were like, remember the movie Fame? Mm-hmm. I don't know, that's probably it. No, no, I've seen it. <laughs> I want to live forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, we kind of, we kind of said that's us, you know, in Cincinnati, you know, we're, you know, and so we, one of the things that we did was every year we did um, musicals, maybe two musicals, sometimes two musicals a year, and it was a big money maker for the school because we were known for that, and then. <laughs> we would have kids from other schools come to our school to see the musical that we played. And when the kids would come in, it was always this thing that we would have completely student run musicals. Completely mm-hmm. student run. So everything from production to, you know, lighting to everything, stage manager, everything was was student run and that also included the conductor and so um i remember in high school conducting uh the musical peter pan you know so you got to hear the cues you know and now we're going to sing you know what i mean you know (laughs) you know like you know whatever and so i had to do that in high school so i always liked it you know i always just liked conducting um, and then when I went to college, I took a conducting class with uh, Donald Hunsberger. Mm. It wasn't like a like a really like long, extensive thing, but like all, and you know, especially as being an education major, you kind of had mm. to take um, a little bit of conducting. But I always kind of wanted to get into it. But you know, I really focused. I was really focusing more on trumpet and stuff in college. And then. Um, you know, like slowly I started kind of getting little gigs. Like I, I was the director of jazz bands at um, Rochester Institute of Technology. Uh, just little gigs I would conduct and stuff around town, but not really like major or, or uh, classical stuff, orchestral stuff. And, um, but, you know, after years and years and years and years of seeing all these conductors come in, especially the educational conductors, they come in here just sad, man. They're like, they're not, they're not, you know, not a, they're not really talking to the kids well. And I did a lot of teaching and working with kids and being in front of schools and like showing off my trumpet. So I'm really good with like speaking to kids. <clears throat> I was just like, 
I think I can do this. I really feel I can do this. So at that point, I knew the um, the uh, assistant music. Uh, he was a guy that helped like put the concerts and stuff together for for RPO. And um, and I was just, I gave I pitched him this thing. I was like, dude, I I, I have this idea for orchestra concert, and um, and I was doing a lot of stuff with schools where I would go into a school by myself, be in front of the whole school, and just do a workshop do a thing I like I played guitar and sing little songs and so I was used to kind of controlling an audience and being able to speak to that and I was just like now instead of pressing play on my you know on my computer to play a music for this whole group to explain a certain thing mm-hmm. I'll do that and have the orchestra behind it and he was like you know what that sounds really good Let's do it. So he just put me in there. He just, he said, he said it was his last year at RPO. He was like, I'm just going to put you in and any kind of fallout that I get, <laughs> I'm gone. So he, <laughs> he took a chance on me and I did that and killed it, man. I killed it. Like I came in there, conducted the orchestra. I remember um, the first thing I conducted with orchestra was, um, uh, host Mars. That was the first mm-hmm. thing I conducted, and I wanted to. That wasn't the first thing on the concert, but I was like, "We're going to start with the host," and they were just like, "Oh, okay." Like, oh, <laughs> oh okay. Let's start with the host. Got to see them. Kinda. And I was just like, you know, just kind of giving it, giving it to them, and uh, and they were like, "Workers, like, okay, okay." All right. Because, you know, because they know me as, you know, being the guy in the back for so many years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I, I had, and I, you know, and I know how to speak the kids. So I had my spiel together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I killed that. And then from there, they asked me to do another one. And then this year I have um, an education concert coming up um, uh, early March. I have one. And then, I, and then late March, I have another educational concert with them as well and then i think i'm going to be doing also uh like a summer show uh this summer with rpo that's awesome man it was something that i just really wanted to do and just really put a lot of work into it i mean i i mean it's just it doesn't just get up there and just like oh okay i'm going to conduct no i put a lot of study a lot of work and even when you're doing it it's just like there's just so much to know orchestra like you can never i just i mean i don't know maybe when i'm 70 i'll be like oh i, I don't even need to look at this piece <laughs> maybe it you know kind of like shostakovich five now <laughs> shostakovich five i'll just show up and play it yeah yeah, yeah. i'll get to that point for conducting but right now i am nowhere near that <laughs> it's like you know generally when i have to conduct something for um for like two weeks before I conduct it, I don't listen to any other music than the music that I'm conducting. I don't listen to any other music. Just when I get in the car, boom. When I'm standing around the house, listening to that. You know, I got my spot. Have my Spotify playlist of the of the pieces that I want, and kind of the conductors that I like. I have my YouTube playlist of like just kind of seeing it, and I just am like totally nice. that music. 
um, until I finished the concert. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, man. Well, I hope to play under your baton one day, you know? <laughs> I love that, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's always a pleasure to play with you, JV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a good player. I really... Um... Oh, no, no, no. I just enjoyed uh, sitting next to you and, and Courtney and a few times I got to play with you guys. You guys are, like, hilarious. and So it's been great for me. Uh, <laughs> but be, before we uh, wrap up our, our interview with you, uh, I was just curious, um, what are you listening to? Um, I know you're, I don't know if you're conducting, so that, well, you're, you're, you have some projects coming up, but when you're not like tunnel vision on, on a uh, conducting piece, like what do you, what do you listen to in your spare time? All right. So I love electronic music. Really? I know okay. a lot of people like electronic music. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> I love electronic music. I love it. Um, to me, like, electronic music has all the sounds of the orchestra. Mm. Like, it has so many different sounds. And some of these guys, that when they're, when they're writing it, there's, like, different sections and then different little nuances that happen um, that I love. And the, the thing that I really like about it, especially after a concert or when I'm conducting, it's like the whole time that you're in a concert or when you're conducting, oh, let me just put it about me. When I'm in a concert and I'm conducting, I'm very critical of myself, of, of the, or, you know, if I'm conducting of the orchestra, you're, you're all about trying to hear what's wrong. You know, it's like, okay, you know, okay, I'll make a mark there. The horns were a little late. Okay, that note needs to be longer. Okay, oh, you know, the basses aren't loud enough. Oh, the trombones are too loud. Trombones are late. Bop, bop, bop. You know, all these things that you're you're constantly doing. Um, or, or if I'm playing a concert, okay, Herb, that note was too sharp. Okay, well, pull your slide out. Oh, miss that note. You know what I mean? It's like all these things that are in your head. Mm-hmm. When I listen to electronic music, everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect and it's 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 you know it's the beat is perfect. The um the pitches it's all electronic, so the pitches are perfectly in tune. And if they're out of tune, they're supposed to be out of tune, you know. So my brain can just go, just relax. Yeah, never thought about it like that. Because when I listen to like. Like a perfect example is listening to like li- when you get a chance, listen to Miles Davis, um, "Kind of Blue." I know you've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> listen to "Kind of Blue," and mm-hmm. and listen to um, I can't remember which tune, but pretty much any tune. Like when Miles Davis is soloing, the rhythm section is right in the groove. Boom, boom. He's playing right. Da, 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 mm-hmm. Right, and like he's just right, and the, the rhythm section is like, yeah. Hmm. When Coltrane comes in, the rhythm section goes like this for a second because he's, so the rhythm section is like off for a minute, and then they're like, okay, we have to hold the beat. He's not gonna hold the beat, and then he can just float over that. Mm-hmm. But I'm hearing all that stuff. I'm hearing like all that 
things aren't perfect and all that stuff, which is great, you know, but sometimes I need to just like, okay, I don't have to think about any of that stuff because it's perfect. Everything is right on the beat. And that's what electronic music gives me some, a lot of times is just this like, uh, I mean, I could give you some names. Like one of the groups I love is um, DCAP. DCAP, okay. Yeah, DCAP. I write that down. Yeah, decap. I'm looking at them right now. Let's see who's the other one. Um, decap. Who else? Oh, Galamatius. That's another one. G A L I M A T I A S. It's kind of funky, groovy. Okay. You know, but it's just always in the pocket. You know, always like right on pitch. Mm. And then to me, like that also helps me when I do listen. When I am conducting, because like I'm used to hearing everything perfect, so then when you go and hear stuff, something's off. You're like, "That's out of tune." Yeah, yeah, yeah. The brain is used to hearing things like, and then you can tighten things up. Absolutely. Know? I've never thought about electronic music in that way. Yeah, yeah, right. that makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. What's the puts the mind at ease it's like it really does it really puts my mind at ease nice well tyler what what are you listening to tyler so i found this video sometimes on you know youtube will be like recommend videos for you and there's uh from winter jazz fest there i think it was like this past year it had maurice brown playing trumpet player and anderson pock was his drummer Mm. yes and um it was it was virtual. I mean, they were in the studio in different rooms recording stuff. Um, but yeah, it was because <laughs> uh, I've listened to Maurice Brown a little bit before, but um, yeah, I'm starting to try to listen to him a little bit more because he does stuff like you mentioned with just different sounds with like pedals. Kind of, he reminds me oh, of like later right. kind of like Roy Hargrove type of vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I love pedals, by the way. I lo- I have my whole pedal rig hey, pedal, do you have a pedal board with everything yeah that's yeah. a whole another conversation <laughs> that's i love that when i'm with my trio I, i'm always with my pedals and loops and mm-hmm. reverb and like you know chorusing and um and then like you know different harmonization harmonizer that i have too yeah distortion pedal do you have like the uh the octave pedals and or there's definitely. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's really nice yeah Awesome. What about you, Javian? I gotta check out this Maurice Brown though. I just got oh, yeah. of him. That's hot. Yeah, man. That's good stuff. Um, I I'm currently well not currently, but I have recently I finally got around listening to um you, you mentioned Wynton Marcellus earlier. Um, but I recently listened to his uh Lincoln City uh City their one of their newest album called uh the I think it's called Democracy Suite um they just released like yeah 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 so i I recently got around to listening to that um i mean they're they always sound incredible you know i've gotten to hear them live a bunch of times and you know their recordings are just like killing um as you would imagine um or as you would expect and then um I've, i've been listening to um nick hakim um he's a i think he's originally australian but he lives now in London. Um, but his his music is like super soulful. 
you wouldn't expect it when you look at him, but like his music is like super soulful. Uh, and I, I've listened to um, one of his most recent projects, and his uh, he has, he did a uh, Tiny Dust um, okay. concert, um, so you can hear it live as well. But his stuff is like really laid back. One of those like if you're home hanging out with a, a glass of wine, like that kind of vibe. <laughs> no, I so, I got him. I got him here on Spotify. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Definitely check him out. He he yeah. he's good. He's great. He's really great. Um, so that's what I've lo- been listening to. Well, you guys um, good names, Maurice Brown and Nick Hakim. That's fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good stuff. Well, Herb, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Like this, this conversation has been amazing. I, I've I learned, granted, I mean, I've had a chance to hang out with you a few times and, um, but I've learned so much, even just talking to you today, stuff I didn't know and uh, I I really 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 appreciate your time. I know you have a concert to play in like a few hours from now, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you just show up to play Shasky Five, right? <laughs> um, third trumpet, third, third trumpet, trumpet. Third trumpet. <laughs> first trumpet is different, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Um, but if people want to like, um you know, follow you and, and see what you're doing, or if you have like upcoming projects, where can they like find you or follow you, what, what you're doing? Herb Trumpet, if you go to Herb Trumpet, um, HerbTrumpet.com is my uh, website, which is pretty lame. It doesn't have <laughs> But if you go Facebook and hit up Herb Trumpet or Instagram Herb Trumpet, um, you can find me there. And, um, and I have one tune on Spotify, Okay. Um, my trio <clears throat> called uh, Damn It Walpole. It's a long story. <laughs> it's a good tune. It's a good little tune of my trio. Awesome. I'm going to check that out next. I'll put that on the list. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and if anybody want to follow us, you can continue to follow Coffee and Clarks on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to follow me, you can find me at Nerdy Prof. Yeah, at Nerdy Prof on Instagram or my my first name on Facebook, JVN. Um, So we want to thank you all for listening. And uh, again, thank you, uh, Herb Smith, for joining us. Um, We hope to, you know, pump out more episodes of great musicians like Mr. Smith here. And just keep following us and we'll have more episodes for you shortly. Thank you all. See you next time.